Welcome to the Mariner's Church Life Group Leader Podcast. This weekly conversation is designed to equip and resource you to build a healthy life group community that studies God's Word, practices spiritual rhythms, and changes the world together. Well, welcome leaders to this week's Life Group Leader Podcast as we carry on in our study looking at the book of Philippians, Fighting for Joy. We are um, well, well across the halfway line. We've got a couple of weeks left now on this incredible book. This week we are on week eight, looking at the right way to disagree. This is a serving questions uh, from Doug Fields taught this week, an incredible message, and we're looking forward to unpacking this now. And I'm not alone as I often am not. I've got uh, Kim Hamilton, a part of our life group team. Hello, Kim. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. So glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you, Kim. It is, um, as we record this, it's July 5th. So it's post 4th of July. Woo! So how was 4th of July for you guys? What did you What did you get up to? Pretty chill. Yeah. It was a great day, but it's pretty chill. There you go. You know, a little outside action, fireworks, awesome. hamburgers. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, the 4th of July is great for so many different reasons in that it involves barbecue, family, friends, mm-hmm. and blowing stuff up within <laughs> safety and reason for sure. We live in Costa Mesa where it's still legal to do that. Um, it doesn't stop folks from illegal fireworks. That happens all over the place in our neighborhood too. Uh, but we blew stuff up and it was it was fun. All in the name of American. That's <laughs> amazing. I think in Irvine we could hear Costa Mesa. Yeah, that's how it happens. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I think if one illegal firework goes off in Irvine, like it's it's people show up mm-hmm. for that. Costa Mesa. Yeah, <laughs> we love it. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna jump in here now. Um, we're looking at uh, Philippians four, I think verses two through seven or so. And really, the um, kind of the main point here is, is is conflict. How do we deal and respond with conflict, and how do we do that in a way, particularly within the church, um, that should look differently from those outside of the church? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to have a conflict that's cross centered, mm-hmm. that looks at restoration, that fights for peace and joy? Uh, in the middle of that. And so Doug did a great job walking us through that and in his typical um, humorous way, but also very impactful cutting way too. So we are now going to walk you through the questions as we would like in our own life groups that, that we lead. So uh, we're going to start with the big, the first question because the beginning is a very good place to start. <laughs> there are two questions here and I'll let you leaders kind of judge which one you want to tackle. Um, the first one is a great question. It might be kind of hard to answer right off the bat. It says, um, if appropriate, share one instance in which you had a conflict with another person or an organization, or maybe with somebody in the life group <laughs> that, that might, you could do that, but I'm probably <laughs> advised against it. Or you could think about a, a neighbor dispute. The, the, the aim of this question is it's a lean in. So if it doesn't make people lean in, like they want to talk about it, if they lean out and cross their arms, then you probably want to ask the secondary, mm-hmm. secondary question, but there might be some playful ways to talk about, you know, conflict, things that have happened in your neighborhood or things like that. But mm-hmm. I, I like the second question too. What's that second question for us, Kim? What is your gut reaction when conflict arises? There you right. go. Right. Good or you one. could also ask it like, are you a fight or flight kind of person? Mm-hmm. What's your default response to when there's a something that happens? Um, how would you lead mm-hmm. that or how would you answer, answer that yourself, Kim? Um, I would say my gut reaction my entire life has been to lean back. Yeah. To sh- kind of shut down. Even right. it's within my group and I can sense it. I don't want to be really near it. But as I get older, I realize that there's a lot of beauty that comes from stepping into it. Totally. And just initiating the conversation. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a crisis conversation or 
with an edge to it, but just initiating the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody would say, man, I enjoy conflict. I oh. look for it around every corner. I don't want to be around them. I can't <laughs> wait to be on the giving or the receiving end of conf- right? confrontation. Um, that would probably be unhealthy, but equally unhealthy would be, you know, the avoidance of it at all costs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Because you're so right. Like so often there's a lot of health that comes in the middle of engaging these kinds of conversations. So have that conversation. And if you've got couples in your group, not all of us do, but if you've got couples in your group, you might mm-hmm. talk about that. Like, hey, in the relationship, which one of you is the one that might uh, kind of charge at it? Which ones that might withdraw from it? What have you learned about your styles and that? What have you learned about conflict? But again, mm-hmm. the aim is try to keep it light as you can Yeah. during the okay. first question. All right. Then we're going to jump into the passage. I'm going to read it, actually, um, from 4, 2 through 7. It says, um, I urge Udiah. And how did we pronounce the second name? Sintiki. Sintiki, right? And they're not Star Wars characters. These are interesting <laughs> names, but these are women that were apparently really influential in the church. And there's some kind of a conflict that's arised. We don't know what. It's not given to us in the text or any other surrounding text. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not exactly sure what it is, but we do know about their prominence in, in, the, in the community. Um, so he says, I also ask you, true partner, meaning the Church of Philippi, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers who names are in the, whose names are in the book of life. Mm. So we don't know the conflict, but we do know that these women were of some kind of notoriety and, and, and prominent within the community. I mean, this letter would have been read aloud, so they would have likely known who they are. And there was something going on that was substantial enough for it to be addressed mm-hmm. with, with the whole community. We don't think... Um, Maybe a doctrinal issue. It might have been something more. Because if it was doctrinal, it probably would have appeared more prominently in the letter. We think maybe more interpersonal relationships. We we don't know for sure. You can theorize on that, but we we don't actually know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to say in verse four, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again, rejoice. That's the big theme of the book, right? Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Um, the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. Just as we read those um, five verses, a couple of questions that will look down. Uh, how did Paul advise the Philippians to deal with conflict and disagreement? Uh, what do you learn about how he encourages them to deal with it from from the passage? Anything stand out to you, Kim, on that on that first question? Uh, I love the word graciousness. Mm. You know, he tells us to rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again twice, but then he says, "Let your graciousness be known." Right. Because if a conversation is seasoned with graciousness, it goes in a completely different direction. Right. I yeah. love that word. Yeah, that's important, right? That's the the value of how you enter into it. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to gain out of it. Um, I also love that he even acknowledged that there was something going on. Mm. Um, I think often we have sort of a glossy view of the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said this before, mm-hmm. you know, man, I just wish that the church could be more like the New Testament church, <laughs> like the book of Acts. Like, why can't we Why can't we be like that? And then you come to realize that many of Paul's letters are written um, not only about theological uh, misgivings and wanderings, but real like gnarly interpersonal stuff. I mean, read Corinthians. <laughs> There's so much that's going on there that these people were just like you and I, broken 
on the pathway of, of sanctification, redeemed already in Christ, but still working and living that out. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that there's over whatever, 55 or 65 verses in the New Testament about one anothering. How, how do we one another with one another? Serve, carry each other's burdens, forgiveness, um, that there was something going on. So I love that he even acknowledge, acknowledges it because um, these are real people with real things that they're, that they're working through. Um, and then he goes, there's another question here. He says, what disciplines does Paul challenge in the Philippian church to pursue uh, this set of, of verses? What, what stands out to you there? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I love how he says, don't worry about anything. Yeah. But then he puts other things around that, but through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, because when we're thankful, it changes again the mindset that we have. Yeah. If we just present all of our petitions and things that are wrong and what's happening, but we do not do that with an attitude of thanksgiving, we miss a big blessing in that. Yeah. Changes our posture, our heart as we step into those conversations. But yeah, I agree with you that he would point that out to us because you can sense it even in a life group. You know, you can sense when something's going on and to ignore it usually makes it just get worse. It doesn't it doesn't heal it and be the one that cares the most to step in there and say, you know, I just sense that something is going on. Right. I love that he brought that up in the way that he did, you know, to do it with graciousness. Right. And know that the Lord is near right there with you. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's great. He doesn't go so much to the, okay, now let's fix this thing. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Yeah. Like he gives them a reminder of, man, there are these spiritual practices that are fundamental to how we relate to God, ourselves, and one another. Mm-hmm. And you list them and rejoice. That's worship. I want you to rejoice. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let your graciousness be known to everyone. That's this aspect of, of serving one another, putting the needs of someone above yourselves, reminding yourself that the, that the Lord is near, that his spirit is with you, that mm-hmm. the resurrecting power of Jesus is within you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's remembrance. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray, like seek God and pray with with thanksgiving. God cares about what you're in the middle of, like, like bring it to him. So it's not so much a, okay, everybody, you need to, here's the blueprint to fix this thing, mm-hmm. but here's the foundational value of how you navigate, navigate that. I just, I love it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's carry on now to our lookout. A couple of questions here. How does a uh, disagreement between brothers and sisters, because remember, we're talking about the church of Philippi, but, uh, brothers and sisters, those that would, were following Jesus. How does a disagreement between brothers and sisters in Christ affect the church ministry um, or impact on the world? That's a big, big question. That is a big, big question. There. You know, where where have you seen it? Where have you seen when conflict between Christians is a negative, negative witness? People are people, right? right? right. I mean, we're saved by the grace of God, but that doesn't mean we're perfect okay. yet until we see him face to face someday. Yeah. But um, the way that we disagree speaks volumes to people that don't know the Lord yet. Right. It just speaks volumes. Yeah. And I, th- I do think that people look into the church and whether they believe the stuff that we believe or not, mm-hmm. they think we're crazy or, or, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I think there is a sense of, but you should look differently because of who Jesus is and what he teaches, whether they agree with mm-hmm. him or not. They look at his his teaching set. It's like, wow, there should be a difference in the way that the church not only um, serves and loves uh, the world, right, but certainly how we serve and love 
one at one another. Yes. And unfortunately, you know, we've seen it so many, so many times. Insert mm-hmm. what latest documentary or whatever here that um, the church doesn't always doesn't always get it right. That there's hurt, there's hangups, there's things that happen within the church that uh, really do become a negative witness um, for who Jesus really is. But the beautiful thing about who He is is His grace is so much bigger than our failures, and and His love is so much more great than our inability to navigate and get things right, that he works even through our imperfections. I mean, that's the whole principle of the cross, right? So um, we can, I think there's a danger in like overstating um, the damaging witness that the church can have on culture because when we do that, then we, we, we can put the church like as the most important thing of um, the reputation of who Jesus is. And like the church is not the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. The church is a representation of the kingdom of God. It is his chosen vehicle and it matters immensely all day long. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that he chooses to work and reveal himself uh, through his people and through his church. Um, But we also, like you just said, we're reminded that we're a part of it. We're not perfect. He works through our imperfections. Um, But there should be something different, different about us. That's for sure. How would you encourage maybe folks to just kind of have that conversation? I'd imagine pe- people will have lots of stories and things that they've seen and experiences around that. Maybe people that have even been hurt uh, by um, somebody who was a Christian, somebody who was close with them. Um, how would you kind of navigate wisdom in that right. conversation? The, I would suspect there's people on both sides that have been in church like their whole life right. and have seen things in there and people that have not known the Lord and seen it from the outside uh, perspective. And... It would be interesting just to allow people to share those, right? Where where they've come from and how they've seen that, and what they might do different. Walking in, knowing that uh, how we speak to one another speaks about the Lord and Savior that we love. Totally. And how do we love people with trait with truth and grace together? Yeah. To speak truth because that is kindness. Right. To speak something that somebody needs to know, but to do it with grace. Because that's a great representation of Jesus. Yeah. How could we brainstorm how we could do that better? That's right. Be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not only like what led maybe to that point, mm-hmm. but also when you're at that point, like how do you engage that in a truthful and graceful way? You know, Jesus is kind of model of conflict in Matthew 18 of mm-hmm. of how we're encouraged to, to to work that out. Like what would that look like if we actually work that out, out together? Um, and so you might have a lot of conversation around around this lookout and you don't want to skip over it like spend some time there and hear people's stories of where they've seen people get this right where they've seen them get it wrong um and navigate it you know with a grace and discernment i think something that often people say is man the church just hurt me the church disappointed me the church let me down and and i get the sentiment behind that um it's just reminding people that uh what a person may have done um it's actually pretty unfair to put that on the whole of the church because we're talking about mm-hmm. the body, the body of Christ. That behind that statement is that there's a person, there's a there's a person of, of brokenness that caused that harm, mm-hmm. um, that re- that received that received that harm, and so just navigate that with like sensitivity and discernment. Don't don't gloss over it. Listen well to the stories that people are sharing, um, and there's pain there. Um, and often our, our deepest pain happens in relationship, but we know, right? Often our deepest healing also happens in relationships. So, so it's amazing that people are here. They're in your group. They're yeah. having these conversations. 
All right. little tangent. It's good stuff. Though. <laughs> um, all right. Look, look at your question. Which of these challenges do you find most difficult to actually live out? And then he li- they're listed here. Uh, living at peace, rejoicing, not worrying, um, thinking about what honors God. Which of these would be the most difficult for you? And th- these are listed in the passage. And these are, again, the foundational values that enable us to have an environment of navigating conflict well. So if these are those values, which one is, is most difficult for you? Which one are you in most need of? Mm-hmm. Kim, how would you maybe respond to that personally, or how would you lead, lead that with, with your group? Uh, I think personally, I would say the one that sticks out to me is to not worry. To not to remember, I don't have to know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Even next week, I don't need to know that. All I need to know is God's got it in his hands. But that's the one that always speaks out to me the most. Living at peace with others, not not so much rejoicing in the Lord. I yeah. find great joy in in the Lord, but the worrying peace distracts me from those other t- two because um, I'm trying to rely on my own strength instead of His. Right. And so, what would it look like for you to embrace uh, a radical trust to mm-hmm. replace worry with radical trust? How do you think that would impact you and how you show up in your relationships? Oh my goodness, it would impact uh, the way I enter each day. It would impact the capacity I have to love people more around me. Right. Um, the risk-taking to step into places that I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I'm all in because God called me there. Yeah. It changes the experience of every day. That's right. So for me to do that is knowing the Word of God, like from the inside out, not just knowing it, knowing where to turn in the Bible, but this section of scripture for one, I memorized like when I was in high school mm-hmm. and reading it today, I was like, oh yeah, that was a really good passage then and now to rejoice in the Lord always knowing that as I pray and thank him ahead of time for what he's going to do, his plans yeah. are better than mine ever could That's be. That's awesome. That's so good. And it says that as we do these things, right? As we rejoice, as we pray, mm-hmm. as we serve one another, like this is the beautiful promise of God's word, mm-hmm. the peace of God what surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's not a, a, if it might, we'll see what happens. It's no, that's the promise of God's peace. So good. In the middle of conflict and uncertainty, that's what we're promised. Mm-hmm. And so how we navigate it uh, matters for sure. Uh, what we hold on to matters in the middle of it, um, but we can rest in the promise of what God wants to do, that it's not necessarily up to us to solve it and to figure it out. We trust in him and he gives us peace. And that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, Kim, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. On our post-4th of July episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Uh, We'll be back with you guys uh, next week for week nine of Fighting for Joy.